Bibles, if you would, to 2 Samuel, chapter 22. We'll continue our study in this wonderful chapter. This wonderful chapter here before us. Tonight's message is called, Our Shield and Preserver. Our Shield and Preserver. 2 Samuel, chapter 22. We'll read verses 26 to 37 tonight. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. And with the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the forward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. In the afflicted people, thou wilt save. But thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, by my God I have leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? And who is a rock save our God? God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps unto me, so that my feet did not slip. Now last week we looked at verses 26 to 29, where we saw the sovereign God of the universe has mercy upon whom he have mercy, whom he pleases. And we know from looking in the New Testament that he has mercy on whom he have mercy according to his sovereign will and according to his purpose. And I've said this many times, and I'll keep saying it. We who are God's people are amazed that we're even included in that number. Included in the number that he's had mercy upon. Because we know what we are. We know we're sinners. And we know that even though we're saved, we're still sinners. And we struggle with sin all the time. All the time. Talking to dear sister and brother, two sisters this, this afternoon and a brother about this. And we, we struggle all the time. And we have to be honest with each other. We do. But praise be to God, for the believer in Christ, all our sins are forgiven. They're all forgiven. And, and we know that the Lord hath had mercy upon us. It says there, with the merciful thou wilt show thyself merciful. We've received mercy. And God's people, those who have received mercy, give mercy. They're merciful. They're merciful people. And again, no, it shows God's sovereignty. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful, and with the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. And we considered how this can only be considered, to be considered pure in the eyes of God, this is only the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one. In verse 27 there it says, With the pure thou wilt show thyself pure, and with the forward thou wilt show thyself unsavory. And it says, In the afflicted people thou wilt save, but thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. Well, we know the only way we're pure is in Christ. Being clothed in the perfect, spotless righteousness of Christ. Because in ourselves, we're sinners. Even after the Lord saved us, again, we're still sinners. But praise be to God, we're saved sinners, aren't we? We're saved sinners. And the only one, though, who has been pure in the eyes of the Lord is he who has perfectly fulfilled the law of God in our place. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we looked at this morning, Christ willingly came to this earth to be the substitute of his people. Willingly. 
He left heaven. He knew exactly what he was doing. And we saw this afternoon, or this, this, yeah, this afternoon, we saw the fact that he even told his disciples, he said, I'm, I have to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to die. But on the third day, I'll be raised again. He knew exactly what he was doing. Scripture says in Isaiah that he, that he set his face like a flint to Jerusalem. And, and that's like a stone that's immovable. He knew exactly what he had to do. Now think of this. You and I who are redeemed. He did that for us. He did that for us. Willingly. It's very humbling. It's very humbling. And we can, we can proclaim that we've, again, tasted the mercy of God. We've tasted the mercy and grace of God. But Christ, it's only because Christ fulfilled the law in our place. It's only because the wrath of God that was due us fell upon him. Again, with the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the forward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. And the afflicted people wilt thou save. But thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. And we considered how God's people are an afflicted people. We're an afflicted people. Brother Scott Richardson used to say, the Christians either going into trouble, in trouble, or coming out of trouble. And that's true. That's true. <laughs> but like Roy and I were talking today, tonight, we know that no matter what circumstance we're going through, the Lord is ever with his people. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Never. Now, sometimes we go through a circumstance, don't we? where we don't necessarily feel the presence of God. And we think, Lord, am I alone? No, you're not. You're not. If you're one of his sheep, you're not alone. He's right there with you. Watching over you, caring for you. Brother Drew Dietz texted me all excited this week. It was wonderful because we often as we find things in the scripture, as we find things written by different commentators, we'll write each other, and just, uh, this is what preachers do. We get excited about things. Well, he wrote me talking about refiners, about a goldsmith. And I remember hearing this story years ago. A guy walked into a smithing place, a goldsmithing place, and he asked the, the goldsmith, he says, so what do you do? And he says, well, I put the gold in the pot, and it... it uh, the metal or the rocks in the pot and all that, and as he's refining the gold and all that, and the guy asked the smith, he said, well, how do you know when it's all done? How do you know when it's ready to be used? And he said, when I can see my reflection. We're being conformed to the image of Christ, beloved, while we're here on this earth. My, oh, my. So when we're going through trials and tribulations, just know that our God is just refining us, beloved. He's just refining us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. We're, we're an afflicted people. And, and we're afflicted by our own sin, aren't we? We mourn over our own sin. We really do. But there's going to be a day when we won't sin no more. What a day that'll be. What a day that'll be. Well, we're in this world, we're afflicted with trials also and tribulations. And always remember, always remember this. We're strangers and pilgrims, beloved. We're just passing through. This world is not our home. It's not our home. We seek a better country, don't we? That's where Christ is in glory. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Again, we're seeking, we're seeking a better country where the scripture says our conversation is, but that, that is our citizenship in the Greek. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's in heaven. We're citizens of a better country, beloved. This world and everything in it is going to perish. Everything we look upon is temporary. But we look to be going home to a place that's eternal. Beholding the eternal one, who is the one who has redeemed us from our sins. 
and look unto him. Look unto him alone. So we're an afflicted people while we're here. And we know that the only, and rest assured of this too, that the only trials and tribulations that we will ever face as believers is in this world. The only sorrow that we'll ever face is in this world. The only tears that we'll have is in this world. Boy, it makes you homesick for heaven, doesn't it? Makes you homesick for heaven. And we see God's preserving hand keeping us through all the situations that we go through. And sometimes we see the proud and the haughty prosper, don't we? Sometimes we see the wicked prosper. But think of this. We know their end. We know their end. If God doesn't intervene in their lives, if God doesn't save them, we know their end. And then we reflect upon the mercy that that God's had upon us. The scripture declares, if the Lord should mark iniquity, who shall stand? Remember Brother Joe Terrell saying, he woke up one night thinking about that. If the Lord should mark iniquity, who should stand? No one. But praise be to God, he's had mercy upon his people and that all our sins are forgiven in Christ. All of them. What a great God. What a great God. The Lord marked iniquity, no one would stand. But we who are the people of God have received mercy in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then we considered verse 29 and how the Lord is our lamp and his word is a light unto our paths. It says, For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. And oh, what darkness we were in. The darkness of our sin. The darkness of our fall in our father Adam. But the scripture declares this. It's the Lord has lightened our darkness. It's God who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. How many sins? All of them. Praise be to God. They're all covered under the blood. All of them. Let's look at verse 30 now. We see David here bring forth the deliverances which God hath brought him through. And each believer in Christ can say amen because we've had deliverance after deliverance occur in our own lives. Look at this. For by thee I have run through a troop. By my God have I leaped over a wall. Now think upon this, that our Savior is ever with us. Never leaves us. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter. And in the darkness, the Lord will be our light. And he is our light. Am I shut up and cannot get over a wall? A trial or a a situation that seems hopeless to us? Am I shut up into a situation like that? This verse brings forth, we shall leap over a wall by Jesus and in him. And he has proved this to his people time and time and time again. Depend on the Savior, beloved. Lean upon the Savior. Do not lean on your own understanding like we used to when we were in the flesh. Lean on Christ. Lean on him in all situations. In all times of your life. Lean on him when you cannot understand what's happening. Lean on him. Rest in him. Repose in him who is the Almighty. Now think of how true this is of our Lord who is God incarnate in the flesh. He came here to do the Father's will. He came here to do the Father's will. He came here to die. He was born to die. He was born to die. And on that cross of Calvary, he spoiled princes and principalities, beloved. He spoiled them. He made a show of them openly. 
made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. And that speaks of a Roman triumph when the victorious general would come through into Rome, victorious, and they'd have a huge parade. He triumphed over them. He led captivity captive, beloved. And he brought many sons to glory. And he did it all by his almighty power. And he did it willingly to purchase his precious blood. Now it says here, leaping over a wall. Now leaping over a wall is, is likened to scaling the walls of a fortified place. Several commentators bought this forth. This was literally true of David in many instances. But let us again keep an eye to Christ. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Let us again keep an eye to Christ. An eye to Him. It says, For by thee I have run through a troop. By my God I have leaped over a wall. What did our Lord break down? The middle wall of partition, beloved. That was between us. The ceremonial law, which stood between Jew and Gentile when he died upon the cross. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. We'll read verses 11 to 18. Wherefore, remember, and he's writing to the born-again, blood-bought believers of Ephesus, He said, Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by by that which is called the circumcision. So the Jews called the Gentiles the uncircumcision. Which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant, covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. That was our natural state, beloved. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Bought nigh. For he is our peace. The only way we have peace with God is through Christ, who hath made both one, talking about Jew and Gentile here, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself a twain one new man, the body of Christ the body of Christ, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. There we go. Having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you, the Gentiles, which were far off, and to them that were nigh, the Jews who are in the body of Christ. So he, he's, he's speaking here of the whole body of Christ, Jew and Gentile. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. This section in Ephesians, Paul is bringing forth that all the elect were sinners by birth, nature, and choice. Whether they be Jew or Gentile. Whether they be Jew or Gentile. And it is only through the substitutionary death of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are bought bought nigh. Bought nigh. It is he who has teared down the walls that separated the Jew and the Gentile. And now all the elect are one in Christ. One in Christ. Look at verses 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one. Both one. Remember, he's the head and we're what? We're the body. He's the head and we're the body. And hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So since both Jew and Gentile were spiritually alienated 
from God, and they were bought, they were now bought, the believers of the Jews and of the Gentiles, are not now bought to a state of reconciliation. A state of reconciliation with God. How? By the blood of Christ. <laughs> By the blood of Christ. So the meaning of this passage is the salvation of the elect. The salvation of the elect. So when we look at these verses, we need to see them in light of the sinner, both Jew and Gentile. Because all are sinners. All are sinners. In Christ is our peace. He's our peace, whether we be Jew or Gentile. So for the believers who were Jewish and now believe on Christ, and for we who were Gentiles and now believe on Christ, he's our peace. He's our peace. And we're one in Christ, beloved. That's what's being brought forth here. All the elect of God are one in Christ. He's the head, and we're the body. And we are reconciled to God by Christ and by the shedding of his blood, which has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. And that partition was what separated us from God. And we have here before us metaphorical language like the, the great gulf fixed. The great gulf fixed. That reveals that there was no possibility of us reaching God because we all come into this world, whether we be Jew or Gentile, dead in trespasses and sins. So there's no, there's no ability for us, whether we be Jew or Gentile, to come to God on our own. Because we're all born dead in trespasses and sins. Brother Scott Richardson once said, when Adam fell, he fell so far from God that he could not never get back. Meaning that no man or woman has the ability or the power to save themselves or to regenerate themselves. I mentioned this this morning. Can a dead person make themselves alive? When a person's dead, their graveyard dead. And if you look in Ephesians 2 and verses 1 and 2, it says we were dead in trespasses and sins. That means graveyard dead. That means dead. Dead means dead there. It doesn't mean mostly dead. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean well, you've got a little life. No, it means you're dead. Spiritually dead to the things of Christ. Absolutely dead. But he's made us alive. Verse 4, but God, who's rich in mercy, but God, he's regenerated us. Christ has done it all. Look at verses 15 and 16 here in Ephesians 2. He's done it all. He's done it all. He's done everything for us. He's all our salvation. Look at this. Having abolished in his flesh, that's Christ, the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for the making himself of twain, Jew and Gentile, one new man. One new man. Again, the body of Christ. So making peace. So, so all who are in the body of Christ have peace with God. We are reconciled to God. And the preaching of the gospel is, the, is, the, is a ministry of reconciliation, beloved. Be reconciled to God. Trust Christ and Christ alone. There's no, other, there's no other way to be reconciled to God except through Christ. Except through Christ and Him alone. And this is wonderful news for sinners, isn't it? Because we know we can't reconcile ourselves to God by anything we do. But praise be to God. Look at this again. Having abolished in his flesh the empty, even law of commandments contained in ordinance for to making himself of twain, one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both, Jew and Gentile, unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. This is wonderful news for sinners. Absolutely wonderful news. And then take note, take note of verse 17. And, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. Oh my. Peace. Peace. So the preaching of the gospel is, is the preaching of peace with God through Christ and Christ alone. 
And all who trust in Christ, all who trust in Christ, have peace with God. And God says, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Praise God. That means past, present, and future sins. Everything. And, and again, how can someone... I've had people ask me this. Well, Wayne, how can, you, how can you possibly say that all your future sins are forgiven? Just tell them, every one of my sins was future at Calvary's cross. And when Christ died on that cross, he died for all my sins. Praise be to God. There wasn't one left out. And his precious blood covers all of my sin. And all who trust in him. Isn't that wonderful? That's good news. God doesn't keep a check. Oh my, I didn't, we didn't cover that one. No, not at all. It's all covered. Remember what it said? Remember? Remember when they put the blood on the, on the doorpost? And the Lord said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over them. God's people are covered in the precious blood of Christ. When I see the blood, I'll pass over them. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Hallelujah, what a Savior. What a Savior is Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh my. So this gospel message is the same for both Jew and Gentile. It is peace with God in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's established by the blood of Christ, beloved. His precious blood has ratified the everlasting covenant. And he is the one singular way, Christ Jesus. He is the one singular way that man is reconciled to God, man or woman. He's the one singular way that we are reconciled to God. There's no reconciliation outside of Christ. None at all. But oh, in Christ, the believer is reconciled. To God. I'll ask you this question here. Can you fulfill the law of God? Can you fulfill the law of God? Well, not one of us can. But Christ fulfilled the law of God and he did it in the place of his people. Can you satisfy the justice of God for your sins for just one? No, we can't, can we? No one in this earth can do that. No. We can't even pay for our sins, but Christ Jesus the Lord satisfied the law and the justice of God in the place of his people at Calvary's cross. He bore their sins. He bore their sins. He made atonement for the sins of his people. He conquered the enemies of his people on Calvary's cross, and the sins of his people was laid upon him, and he bore it. And he paid everything that God demanded. Now, now, the justice of God had a rightful claim on us, didn't it? It did. But it had no claim on Christ. You see how he's the great substitute? The sinless one dying for sinners? Now, I have no clue who God's elect are. Who his lost sheep are out there. Therefore, the gospel gets preached and proclaimed to all. And we say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's right. May God make you willing. May God make you willing to flee to Christ. Because that's what he did for all of us here who are saved and who are sinners, saved sinners. He made us willing in the day of his power. And we called upon the name of the Lord. And we, we still call upon the name of the Lord. And one day we'll say, oh Lord, worthy is the Lamb. We'll see him face to face in his majesty, in his sovereign majesty, without sin. We will see the very one who redeemed us with his precious blood. And that's true for all who call upon the name of the Lord. That's true for all who cast their, their eternal soul upon Christ. Oh, again, may God make you willing to flee to Christ. Oh, he conquered. He conquered the enemies of his people, didn't he? He conquered our sin. He conquered his own law, which had a rightful claim on us. He conquered the justice of God, which must be satisfied for our sins. He conquered it. He paid for it. Oh, my. He conquered Satan, who is the enemy 
who is our great enemy and who is the accuser of the brethren. We know that from Scripture. He conquered them all. And then he rose from the grave, beloved, victorious. And the Scripture says he was raised for our justification. Raised for our justification. And now death for the believer has no more sting. And again, it's but a doorway to glory. It's a doorway to glory for the believer. It's a doorway to heaven. And Christ did this all, the God-man mediator. And he was strengthened by God. And he trusted in the Father, doing the Father's will perfectly. Perfectly. Therefore, we ascribe to him all the glory. Now, let's consider verse 31. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. Now, our ways are full of fault and error because we're sinners. Spurgeon said there's enough sin in, the, in, in our best prayers to damn a thousand souls. Oh, my. My, oh my. We're just sinners. But God's way is perfect. Perfect. He's perfect in holiness. He's perfect in righteousness. And this verse brings forth, as for God, His way, notice that, singular? His way, singular, is perfect. So contemplate the work of Jehovah. Contemplate all his works. They're perfect. They're perfect. Contemplate who he is. And note the scripture declares his way is perfect. His way. Who's the way, the truth, and the lie? Who's the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God? Lord Jesus Christ. As for God, his way is perfect. Think upon the perfections of Christ. Think upon the perfections of Christ in his person. He's sinless. He's spotless. He's the perfect lamb of God. Think of the the perfections of the word as deity. He's the word of God. Co-equal with the Father. Co-equal with the Holy Spirit. Perfect in all their ways. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Perfect in all their ways. And think of Christ's perfections in his office. He's prophet, priest, and king. Think of his perfections in those offices. And think of how the work of salvation of God's elect, the redemptions of God's people is perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> Because it was done by God. It was accomplished by the God-man. The work of salvation that Christ did is absolutely perfect. Perfect before God. And that's where it matters. Absolutely perfect. They could, they could find no fault in Him. He is perfect. The Father said, this is, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Perfect. He's absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. And the salvation that comes to us through the Lord is finished. Complete. If you have an interest in Christ, then this little portion of this song will be sweet for your souls. As for God, his way is perfect. Perfect. John, in the book of John, let's turn there quick. John chapter 19, verse 30. We'll look at this one verse here. And then we'll turn to Daniel 9, 24. But look at this. And remember our our portion we're looking at. As for God's way, as for God, his way is perfect. Perfect. Look at this in John 19, 30. 
When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It is finished. Now, the Greek definition for this word, it's actually the words, it is finished. It's one Greek word for the words, for our English words, it is finished. But it's one Greek word. In the Greek, it means to make an end. To make an end. To accomplish. To complete something. Not merely end. This is the kicker right here. Not merely end, but to bring it to perfection. Oh my. To bring it to perfection. Our Lord, when he had finished the work of redemption, cried, it is finished. He bought it to perfection. Now think of how foolish it is when people say, well, God's done all he can do. Now the rest is up to you. He did it all. All the believer does. What's the scripture say? Look unto me and be ye saved. Look unto the one who has completed the work perfectly. To bring to perfection. That means there's absolutely nothing that can be added to this work. Nothing. Hence the words of scripture, salvation is of the Lord. It's of the Lord. It's his doing. It's his doing. Oh, beloved of God, Christ is our rock. He's our redeemer. He's our savior. He's our God. He's our salvation. He's, he's Jehovah's salvation for all the elect of all the ages to all the ends of the earth. And we see that God's way of salvation then, by the very definition of the Greek word, is perfect. It's perfect. The whole work of redemption, the salvation of God's elect, is finished. It's finished. It is finished. The very purpose for which the Lord Jesus came to this world is finished. He came to save his people, what? From their sins. This is magnificent. This is magnificent. This is wonderful news for God's people. And again, again, we preach the gospel to all. Saying, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> oh my. There's, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we may be, must be saved. None other name. No other name. No other name but Christ. Now turn to Daniel 9.24. Turn to Daniel 9.24. And, and this speaks of Christ dying on the cross. And look what it says here. And, and knowing, knowing that when he cried, it is finished, it means to complete, to end, or to accomplish, or to, to, to bring it to perfection. Look what it says here in Daniel 9.24. Speaking of our Lord. Look at this, Daniel 9.24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make a what? End of sins. Look at that, beloved. And that's what Christ did, didn't he? When he paid for our, when he paid for our sins on Calvary's cross, he made an end of our sins. Now, we're still sinners while we're in this flesh, but our, our sins are bought and paid for. And when God looks at his people, he sees the righteousness of Christ to make an end for sins. And look at this. To make reconciliation for iniquity. We talked about that in Ephesians chapter 2. To make reconciliation for, for iniquity. So now the believer has peace with God through the blood of Christ, right? And look at this. And to bring in what? Everlasting righteousness. What are we clothed in? The perfect spotless righteousness of Christ. Everlasting righteousness. And to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. 
So we see God's way is perfect. It's perfect. It's per- Let's go back to our text in verse 31. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 31. As for God, his way is perfect. Now look at this. The word of the Lord is tried. The word of the Lord is tried. Tried. These precious words have been proved by the saints of God. All the promises of God we know are yea and amen in Christ. And they've been found to be proved true by the saints in all ages. And, and they come from he who is faithful and true. And we who are the believers in Christ now know that the word of the Lord is tried. And we trust his word, don't we? We trust his word. Listen to what the scriptures, if you want to turn to Psalm 12, and we'll go through a few psalms here. The scriptures say about, declare about the word of God. Look at Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7. Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7. It says here, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. God keeps his word. He keeps his word. Look, and then Psalm 19, verses 8 to to 10 says this. The statutes of the Lord are right. They're right. They're right. Rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. They're the... The, the scriptures are to be more, more desired than all the gold in this world, beloved. Oh, my. Yea, much more than fine gold, sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. So when we consider that, that the word of God is, is much finer than gold, praise God he gave us an understanding of the word. Eh? That we have an interest in Christ, a saving interest in him. Then in Psalm 119, 140, it says this, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. And Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. He is a shield to all who put their trust in him. And remember, remember the scriptures are authored by God the Holy Spirit. We saw that in our study in Second Peter as we're going through that in Sunday school. Scripture says this, We have a more sure word of prophecy. Right here. Right here. Right here. A more sure word of prophecy. Where until you do well that you take heed. Take heed to the scriptures. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is, is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But... Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the author of the scriptures is the Holy Spirit of God. He moved holy men of God. And the only way they're holy is in Christ. He moved them to pen the scriptures. So the doctrines in this wonderful book, they're glorious to the believer. The precepts are pure. The promises are faithful. Because they come from he is faithful and true. The whole Bible, beloved, is full of grace and truth. The whole scriptures. Now the Hebrew word for tried here, the Hebrew word for tried, says, as for God, his ways is perfect, the word of the Lord is tried. The Hebrew word for tried here is to refine, to test. To refine or test. And here in our text is used to speak of the word of God. It's, It's described as pure and refined. Pure and refined. Think of this, beloved. David had tried it. Thousands have tried it. We have tried it. And it's never failed, has it? And it never will. Never will. Let's read our verse again. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. So we see in this verse that God's way is perfect. 
And the word of the Lord is tried, refined, and tested. And this verse concludes with, He is a buckler to all them that trust in Him. Now, buckler in the Hebrew means a shield, a small shield. Figuratively, it means a protector. A protector. Our great God is our shield. He's our shield. He's our protector. And it is he who we trust. Now the word trust there in the Hebrew is defined, I like this, to seek, to take refuge. Who's our city of refuge? Christ. Christ. He's pictured in the city of refuge. All who were in that city were safe from the avenger of blood. All who are in Christ are saved from the law and justice of God. And here it has reference to seeking a tree, a, a tree shade. Have you, ever, have you ever been out? I remember as kids we used to jump on the bikes and just ride the back roads and all that and just take off. And Boy, when we saw a tree that we could sit under in a hot day, that was a blessing. That was a blessing. We'd usually have our lunch packed. We'd go for the whole day. We'd tell our moms, well, we'll be back around five, and we'd just take off a group of us. But when we saw a tree that we could sit under on a hot day and have a drink of water and eat the lunch that our moms had made us, oh, my. That was wonderful. You could sit under there all day long. You could sit under there all day long. All day long. So this is as a reference to seeking a tree shade. It's commonly used figuratively, though, in relation to Yahweh, because our great God is our shield. He's our protector. Jehovah is a refuge for his people. We see in our verse, we seek refuge under his wings in life and his death. Look, it says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler, protector, to all them that trust in him. He's our great protector, beloved. Now let's read verses 32 to 37, and we'll see God's preserving grace on display. It says, For who is God, save the Lord? And who is, who is a rock, save our God? God is my strength and power. He maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hind's feet, and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, so that my feet did not slip. Now we're going to look at these verses more in depth next week, but, but what we see here is, is that God preserves his people. He carries us all through this life. And take note, take note how in these verses, David ascribes all the glory to the Lord. He gives the Lord all the glory. Look at this. For who is my God? Save the Lord. Who is my rock? Save our God. God is my strength. He's given him the glory and power. He maketh my way perfect. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He maketh my feet like hinds feet. He's doing it all. And setteth me upon my high places. He teaches my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast given me the shield of thy salvation. Salvation is a gift of God, isn't it? Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. Thou hast given me the shield of thy salvation. And Christ is our shield. He's our salvation. And thy gentleness hath made me great. Again, thou hast enlarged my steps unto me, so that my feet did not slip. Left to ourselves, we'd slip and fall a hundred times a day, wouldn't we? Oh, but he keeps his people. And so David is subscribing He's ascribing all the glory to God. He refers all here to the will of God and God's sovereignty and his goodness. And note how he dwells on the Lord. Note note in those verses how he dwells on the Lord, that it's the Lord that enabled him to do these things. Never forget that. Any gifts we have, any knowledge we have, has been given to us by the Lord. By the Lord. And so he ascribes all glory to the Lord. 
He's describing, look what the Lord's done. Look what the Lord's done. He does not dwell upon himself, but he brings forth what the Lord has done for him. He speaks of the Lord's deliverances, and then he brings forth that God himself is his salvation. Is this not what every believer does? We give him all the glory. So do not forget that our God in in his covenant engagements is doing great things for his people. David is bringing these truths home. And these are designed to show us how infinitely precious the Lord is to the believer. These words here, again, are designed to show us how infinitely precious the Lord is to the believer. God's people sing of God himself. We give him the praise. We sing of the blessings from our great God. We sing the gifts that come to us through his hands. And we sing of this wondrous salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. All by God's will and purpose. And we give God all the glory. We give him all the glory, beloved. And what a God. What a God we have. What a God we have. He saves us by becoming a man. Holy God and yet fully man. And he dies on Calvary's cross for the sins of his people. The perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And then he keeps us. All through this life. Again, Though we may fall, we do not fall away from his everlasting arms. We slip and fall all the time, don't we? But we never slip out of his hands. He keeps us in his everlasting arms. And he ever loves us, and he supports us. And then one day, when we breathe our last breath, he will take us home to glory to be with him forever. Forever. And we who are the people of God say truly, truly, our God is the God of grace and mercy. Truly. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for your goodness and mercy and grace. Oh, which hath been bestowed upon we who are undeserving of that. And this is what makes it marvelous in our eyes, O oh Lord. Because we know that we could never merit it, we could never earn it. And yet your grace has been bestowed upon us. You've saved us by thy grace in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, we marvel. We marvel that you came to this earth to redeem us from our sins. And we marvel that you keep us and preserve us. And Holy Spirit, we marvel that you regenerate us. That we who were dead in trespasses and sins are made alive. And then you guide us into all truth. And Christ Jesus is that truth. And we know that you're not speaking yourselves, yourself, but you guide us to Christ. And we, we are amazed that at what we know now, we know only come from thee, O Lord. Glory to your name and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.